Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk Footnotes. I'm one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, just back to the gruesome twosome, the toxic twins, the double dragon, the rock and roll express, the punk rock and roll express, that is, Chris O'Toole and myself. Chris, <laughs> yeah. how you doing, buddy? Good. They're getting longer. They're getting longer. These well, I, but I, I figure we need a big intro because now it's like we had four weeks of, you know, house guests and now it's just back to two of us, you know? Huh. It's just back to you yeah, and me. Yeah, I, I suppose. I like, I, in, in, I, I mean, I don't mean that in a negative way. It sounds like I mean, like, it was just back to you and me. But I mean, like, <laughs> no, we got our house back. We know we can spread our shit out again, you know, and. <laughs> Talk about a mailbag and all that kind of stuff. You know, we don't get hey, fair enough. bogged I, I, down with friendship. I, <laughs> true. It's a little easier to keep track of, of like, the, the delays in uh, whatever, the, the delay in how, whatever, in conference calls, delaying and not stepping on each other's words. So that's about that's about the only difference I see. Yeah, we have we have good rhythm, you and me. Like, that's the thing is we get back to our rhythm. Like, we, we, I, love, I love having the four. But like when it's when it's you and me, we got like our our, our moves. You know, it's like that scene <laughs> with Patrick Swayze and uh, can't remember the actress's na- the other actor's name in the uh, Dirty Dancing. You know, like I can't either. Actually, that's funny that you say that. But yeah, I do not know. But we're already that's a an aside which does not. No one email that in. Please don't bother because <laughs> <laughs> clearly Chris and I don't care enough to IMDb it right now. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I'm never sure. going to watch Dirty Dancing ever again in my life. I'm pretty, pretty no. assured of. Same, same. It had a sick soundtrack though. Soundtrack wasn't bad, aside from those like cheesy, like the cheesy whatever. Oh, the modern ones, that, yeah, the new ones, yeah, yeah, terrible. The old jams are good. You're right, but the whatever the time of my life and all that crap yeah. is garbage. That yeah, was really crap. However, I think that should have <laughs> like indicated to people that like that saw that movie and were like nostalgic for the old music in it. And then, then they were also digging the new songs in the movie that their taste had gone to shit. <laughs> it is glaringly. It, it's very. Um, it's it's definitely polar opposite like, yeah. when you hear those songs. Yeah, it's like oh, I remember because can you connect with either? Yeah, like I remember my mother had a cassette of that when it came out, mm-hmm. and she used Same to here. just rock it, rock it in the car all the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like I remember hearing some of those early jams, and I was like, "This is sick." And then, like, those, whatever, the Swayze joints or whoever it is would come on, and I'd just be like, this is, like, I gotta get out of the car. This is awful. You know what? We are but, gonna have yeah. to discogs the, the, the soundtrack to, uh, <laughs> Dirty Dancing yeah, right we'll now. Get, get right into it? Let's do the bumper right first, and I'll call up the discogs. Well, I figure, let's not get to the bumper, because then we're okay. gonna have to get to the news, and the news is always sad, you know? True. And this way, we can, be, we can exist in our little bubble. Um, for, yes, it's like a, this a brief this, moment. Yeah, this podcast is a microcosm for our, our humanity's reality in 2017 or, uh, or North American reality in 2017. You know, your, your day is going great till you look at the news. So yeah. while our day is still going great, let's look up Dirty Dancing soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> and reminisce about a movie we hate. Yeah, well, I hate it, but I can't speak is, for you. No, I, 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 well, actually, I got, you know what? Maybe I should watch it again. <laughs> I said I'm never going to watch it again in my life. Because uh, I say that without, without beef for Swayze or anything. I just I hate no. The movie. Yeah, I liked Roadhouse a lot. Roadhouse is mm. sick, and Point Break is one of the greatest cheesy movies in the light ever made. So, weird. props to Swayze. It's a weird ass soundtrack. 
Yeah, like Ronette's great. Like Maurice Williams and the Zodiac's great. Yep. Uh, I'm trying to remember some of these other jams. Hungry Eyes but, yeah, is not good. Hungry Eyes, awful. I would I say Patrick Swayze's uh, She's Like the Wind is actually the sickest of the new songs. You're right. Of the garbage, it is the best of the yeah. garbage. But, Love is Strange yeah, by weird. Mickey and Sylvia is, is, is a killer, killer song. Yeah. The funny thing about this is I bet you it sold like a billion copies. Oh, dude. This is like, yeah, a million times platinum. Yeah, which like, is kind of weird to think. Like, and there's the, so many. <laughs> well, if you want to buy a copy, Chris, to show yeah. you how many have sold, if supply and demand curve being real, um, the cost of one of these CDs will set you back <laughs> a whole six cents. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, because I've seen one that shows eight. So you must be looking at the actual listings, because on the main page, it's Oh, is it eight, eight cents? Eight. You're right. It is eight cents. Yeah. Sorry. My, so the average my median on. is eight. Yeah, it might be just your slight... <laughs> But uh, either way, yeah, very reasonable. Um, Wait, how is that happening? Then when I click on Marketplace, the first one that shows up, oh, I mean, I don't have like lowest first. It's like $40. Yeah, it's because it's from, yeah, it's from $0.08. Cents. And not just $0.08, cents, $0.08 cents Canadian. So anybody yeah. else with higher currency, it's even cheaper. Well, because it's 5P. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, it's only the funniest... CD, though. No booklet, no cover. <laughs> For a booklet and a funniest... CD, it costs an extra $0.45. Cents. <laughs> just to see the funniest thing is i believe that in in my possession right now i have a version of this on on vinyl unintentionally vinyl? yeah i let's say it was like garage sale scores and like i believe in a uh whatever like a box of records that i just like bought it's in there i'm pretty quite positive what else was in that box <laughs> that made you buy it chris i'm wondering no, it wasn't. I couldn't see anything. It actually oh. wasn't me. It's like people go out on my behalf, so they they like buy blind boxes for you. Yeah, and it, they didn't. Yeah, they're not discerning when they do it. So it's just like, yeah, oh, it's like you know, a dollar for a box of largely crap. <laughs> but yeah. uh, you never know. I've I've won some. I've scored a few. Nothing like no heaters, but I've scored like decent. You know, like whatever Smith's records stuff like that that are definitely worth more than like what I paid for a whole box of records, but. Yeah, so I think I sadly have this and Purple Rain at the moment and stuff like that. Well, uh, I'd say there's a big jump between Purple Rain and uh, yeah, but you know what? I have no love for that. The only love I have for that movie, I just rewatched that too, by the way. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, that movie gets like now people like like really <laughs> love that movie. I remember when it came out, people were not that into it. No, it's weird. And the only thing cool about it, because this relates to punk, is Lee Ving's in it. And like for me, the rest of the movie, like Prince is fine, but like just the movie's not great. Yeah. Um. So, and if you watch it again, it's super cheese. Like, I know it's whatever it came out in the '80s, but like, like the the what he destroys is like room or whatever is so lame. You're like, this. How did anybody like this? Anyway, I don't want <laughs> I don't want to speak ill of the dead here though. So, it's fine. It's a great movie. Legendary. Well, good soundtrack. Pretty good soundtrack. You know. Yeah, more stay in the time. That's cool. You know, mm-hmm. like. You know, I just for me though, I just yeah, it's not my thing. There's apparently like an unreleased Bob Mold record that was recorded um, with Prince or at his studio, I should say. <laughs> I was gonna say with Prince. Whoa, yeah, maybe not with like, Prince. Like, like record yeah. scratch. I was gonna. I want to hear that. That would be that weird. would be incredibly. <laughs> I bet Bob could do it though. Like this is the guy that wrote the Daily Show theme song, and wrote like you know all these incredible songs with Husker Du and and Sugar and yeah. Solo and yeah. wrote a bunch of techno stuff. 
No, true. I, I'm not saying it couldn't be done. I just think that's a bizarre collaboration. It'd be a weird collaboration. Like, I just envision gonna... it just being like basically like Bob Mold actually writing good songs, and then like like Prince just soloing over all of them. Okay, put me in over much, this part. Put me in over this part. It's like oh, yeah, this exactly. is this is like a spoken word intro. No, just put me in. Don't worry, I got this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I expect if I were to think about that collaboration. But uh, yeah, well, I can't. One day, hopefully, we hear it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it'll come out. Well, let's open up the paper and uh, get to uh, the plugs for this week's show, uh, for all the week's shows, I guess. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, you can head over to DamienAbraham.com. There's an email address there. You can also find me on various forms of social media, at Damien. If you would like to support this show and the rest of the Turned Out of Punk family, you can do so by subscribing to the show and writing a review on iTunes if you use iTunes. And you'll see all the other podcasts in this family plobbering time and, and oil and flowers and, and uh, turn out a punk and stuff. So yeah, there's other stuff going on. And also if you would like to find out what is going on in this universe and you don't use iTunes perhaps, or you just also want to find out other ways, you go to facebook.com and there's a Facebook page for turned out a punk. It's run by my brother, Tristan Abraham, Chris O'Toole's friend that you guys have still never met in person, right? Yeah, complete cyber pals. Complete cyber pals. Yeah. What if this is all a catfish and I'm actually my brother? <laughs> oh, that would be incredible because I the, the minute you kind of just you were you were about to get that out, I did envision the David Elliott or whatever thing. Yeah. If you did it again, yeah, like how good <laughs> that would be. And I don't know if anyone knows that, what I'm talking about, but the people that do definitely probably just got a chuckle. That's all. Yeah. And I think the people that do know that that is a hundred percent a micism, not a Damienism. Did you see me <laughs> not taking credit for something I did? <laughs> no, probably not. No, no, there's no way. Um, anyway, also, if you'd like to check out what else is going on in the turned out of punk universe and uh, want to find it not using Facebook, you can go to turned out of punk dot And, uh, I guess that is that for the plugs. Uh, once again, if you want to check out some of the stuff I'm doing, you can go over to vice.com and check out that tournament of death documentary. It is on TV, Chris, apparently. I did. I did. I caught it's again. I keep getting uh, Rick rolled on it, but because the guides are always wrong. But I did end up catching accidentally uh, the last. Well, it's the edited down version, so I don't know how yeah. much is different. But the uh, I think the, the last interview that you do, I can't remember the guy's name. Is uh, he sitting on a chair in in in? Yeah, have you yeah seen? and it's like you're, okay. you're with his like wife or girlfriend, and yeah, she's yeah. watching. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah. They cut out. They cut out a lot. <laughs> they had to cut out yeah. a lot. <laughs> Twenty but minutes. I caught, like, I, yeah, I caught a bit of it, so I, I will catch the full thing. But I have at least got a, a, an official taste, and it was good. Well, if you decide you want to cheat the system, you can do so by going over to YouTube.com and watching it. And uh, and I'm trying to think if there's anything else. No, that's it right now. There's a lot of uh, fun, interesting stuff happening, but you know, Chris and I talk about it off air and stuff, and then we'll, we'll talk about it on air when we can. For sure. You know, that's that's what you do in podcasts. You tease stuff that never delivers. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. The, these live episodes you just did in the tour, I think they they delivered. I thought they delivered too. No, I yeah. I, I think that was like that was that I I think we had a great 
live run. We're just postponing what we have to talk about next as much as we can. So, yeah, uh, but exactly. I think we had a great lo- time on that live tour and, you know, turned out a punk is, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate everyone getting in touch and, and, you know, speaking to me when I'm out and which is very weird. People coming up and talk to me about a podcast. Never thought that would happen, but it's cool. It's really cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited about some of the guests we have coming up. Pretty interesting array of people. For sure. Very. Uh, Chris, how do they get in touch with us here? So to reach us here, it's turned out a punk footnotes at gmail.com. And uh, although we've sort of been neglecting the mailbag, we do uh, get to a lot of mail normally. Uh, and it will resume uh, as per usual starting this week. But um, yeah, that's how you get in touch with us. Yes, Chris. And it's going to resume this week. But because of the glut of mail we have to get through, we are going to do a bit of a reunion special from the live episodes that we just did and do yep. an all mailbag turn out a punk episode. Like some people had their Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl last <laughs> week. Our Super Bowl will be this weekend when the turn out a punk mailbag special <laughs> drops. Yes, of course. <laughs> So, it's that big an event in, in in the world of podcasting. You might want to start thinking about those snacks now because yes. you're going to need them. It's going to be a big, a big event. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, now uh, on to the news. Um, I guess like we're going to start off with the – I guess we should, before we get to the news, actually, we should start off with talking about the episode a little bit first. This week it's with my good buddy, Cool AD. Uh, former member of Das Racist, current member of Party Animal, also current solo rapper for the last well, ever since Das Racist broke up, put out an unbelievable breadth of music. Someone that I find constantly inspires me with what he does and constantly puts out cool, interesting stuff and has really neat things to say in interviews. And I kind of thought that going into this interview and coming out of this interview, yep, 100% confirmed. Guy, guy's got a lot of great ideas in his head, and he's put out a book, you know. And he's he's nice. raising kids, and he's you know writing parenting columns and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, fun episode. Were, were you are you familiar with Das Racist and his music at all, Chris? No, sadly not. But I did. I enjoyed the interview, and I enjoyed uh, his perspective on many things. I didn't know what to expect out of it um, because you'd mentioned obviously we we talk about the things you're about to do or going to do yeah. or have done. And, um, so again, I was, you know, familiar in name, not really in music. And I actually meant to look up that, the single you guys are talking about, but didn't really get a chance, unfortunately. However, um, I still thought the interview was great. I did get a good amount out of the interview regardless, but yeah, I, I am curious to hear his music now though, because I well, did, uh, I yeah. did enjoy aspects of the way he talked about the process and whatever. Yeah. His, the single is, is just like that. The single we're talking about combination, uh, pizza, Taco Bell. There, does not at all set you up for kind of what they deliver, you know, throughout the rest of their run. You know, they obviously have a couple other kind of more jokey songs, but I think the thing is they, you know, you had a, a real collection of very smart people in that group that were able to articulate a lot more once they were kind of given that platform that that novelty song kind of gave them. <laughs> Uh, but gotcha, we'll get, yeah. get all that in one second. Before we do, though, we have to talk about, um, uh, well, I guess two really sad passings. Um, first of all, uh, Robert 
how Dal- 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 Dalquist Dalquist um from the helicopters yeah. uh of course a and and also entombed and just a like a, a legend of Swedish rock punk metal legend and uh from accounts from people I've talked to that knew him an all around really nice person uh joined the helicopters in 1998 and um I guess played with the band the whole way through right up until is passing, so, I believe. It was 2008, but I don't know. Okay. The run kind of it gets foggy for me in the late 2000s, so I'm not sure. Yeah, because uh, they did break up yes. for a time. Yeah, it seems more or less like, uh, I don't know if they reunited, but as far as the recordings go, yeah, he's pretty much on the on the, the rest of the run. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also, if you would like to read more about this passing, you can go to Metal Injection, and there's a, uh, there's a, a, a write-up about it. Um, but yeah, just really sad. He was only 40, which is unbelievably tragic and especially it shows you that, you know, this is not something that happens just to, you know, I don't really know what he passed away from, but like it, you know, obviously his passing away is not something you'd want to hear about from someone who's 40 years old. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, but, uh, we also had, uh, Kel, uh, sent this our way as well. So, uh, Oh, you played with Kel him again when they did the reunion What's shows. That? Sorry. It just said right here. It said they played again when they did the reunion shows for that live album. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So, but, uh, we, I just wanted to make sure we got everyone who sent it our way, but I did yeah. see it coming up in, in most of the, the feeds. And well, yeah, no, we, was, we so. also Kel, like, you know, if anything happens in the world of, uh, punk, uh, there's a good chance that our Norwegian correspondent is on it first and has sent in a news report for us. Yes. So many thanks, of course, yeah, as always. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, continued thanks for the support of the show too. Um, and sending this stuff in, even though if it is unfortunately really bad news. Um, speaking of really bad news, uh, do you want to take this one, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, uh, Close to a, a friend of the show as well, so it's sort of a bit more, I guess, hits home even than uh, it would if it were just you and I doing this on a regular basis lately. But uh, Dave V of the Cynics passed away. Um, there are not a lot of details uh, that have been released, but Get Hip Recordings, which of course they're responsible for, um, put up a message on well yesterday, which would have been the 6th of February, just stating that he passed away and uh, over the weekend uh, more info will come in terms of like the arrangements or what have you. Uh, and of course, Dave Martin, our regular contributor and all-around great dude, um, was pals with, and sort of will, I'm sure, keep us in the loop if anything is uh, needs to be mentioned as far as that. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, sad, more sad news. Cynic's great band as well. Yeah, and a, and a fantastic band. Uh, sh- you know, shining light in kind of the garage rock what will ultimately become a revival, but definitely, you know, garage rock faithful for a long time, and a great band. Like kind of just not just you know revivalists either um yeah agreed and it's uh you know once again very sad um you know he's obviously survived by a family and it's really sorry to hear that when that happens so our condolences to the family and to all the friends of davy as well um on to somewhat uh, happier news i guess coming out of that certainly uh freddie pompey who is quite sick right now with uh with with cancer his uh, they had a big benefit for him this weekend to help raise some money because he is in kind of some need of some financial assistance. And they were able to raise kind of a, a big chunk of change, like $6,000. Yeah, it said on the on the event page on Facebook, it mentions that six uh, 6000 has been raised. 
Um, of course, there's also um, we found the link and we will post it. We I think we had mentioned, but I had, wasn't able to find it until tonight for whatever reason. Um, but uh, there's also a youcaring.com uh, uh, crowdfunding link to donate, which we highly recommend. Yeah, of course, and uh, that will be up on the Turned Out of Punk uh, page um, ASAP by the time everyone's hearing this, I would imagine. But um, uh, so there's another uh, uh, $2,000 on there. So they're doing pretty well, but of course, uh, any help is welcome. And uh, we don't have any reviews as of yet, <clears throat> excuse me, from the event itself, unless you've heard anything, Damien, but I hadn't. No, I was supposed to go, but then unfortunately there was a uh, a, a, f- a family kind of thing that came up, and I I could not make it, um, and I'm gutted about it because like what a lineup! It, it was an unbelievable lineup of a who's who that kind of came out and supported a person that has had an unbelievably huge role in the shaping of not only Toronto music but also originally from Philadelphia, the stuff he did there in music, but also all music through the vile tones, like certainly all music that's been influenced by the bad brains. As Chris and I heard, they were a big influence on the bad brains early on and, you know, a big influence on myself and I'm sure a big influence on yourself, Chris, musically. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And uh, yeah. So if any way that you can find a way to support, please do. And of course the, the link will be up there to, uh, to do that easy, um, as of probably the time you're hearing this. Um, as well though, if anybody has any, like attendees have any that listen, uh, feel free to send any, um, reviews that you can. I'm curious to see how it went. Maybe we'll mention on here as well. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to, I would love to hear it one. I would, I would, I can't believe I couldn't get to go. I'm really, yeah, you and I both had kind of a weird Sunday that day. Um, it didn't pan out, unfortunately, but I'm glad it went off. Seems to have gone well. So that's all good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Certainly. And, 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 you know, best of health to Freddie and hopefully, uh, you know, it's onwards and upwards from here, man. Uh, into the, I guess now we're going to dive into this mailbag and, uh, and, and kind of plunge into something we haven't plunged into in a couple weeks. So hopefully the water's still fine. Just kidding. It's always fine when you talk about the mailbag. Uh, first one we got to talk about, though, is Ed has sent in an email about the Mackie episode. Just listen back to your Mackie Blitz episode. Really enjoyed it. And one of your best yet. Oh, thank you very much. One thing you didn't mention was the 7-inch he and Nidge did post-Blitz uh, as Rose of Victory, a cover of Bowie's Suffragette City when the second Empire Justice album came out. I remember dismissing it out of hand which was common reaction amongst people, but there are some good songs on it. I recently dug out the solar seven inch to play on my radio show, which is really good and continues the joy division theme sounding very much like early new order on footnotes. You mentioned the no future channel three hookup blitz and channel three were meant to do a UK tour together at the time, but it fell through for some reason on the two on the Leatherface influence and recognition. My band uh, Annalise, which is, uh, uh, Annalise, is that how it's pronounced? Annalise? I believe, I believe so. That's how They're I a fantastic band and I've, and I have records by them and I really should know how to pronounce it, but I'm not good with pronouncing anything. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> uh, when my band, uh, toured Japan in 2000 with Leatherface, uh, Leatherface were the English band amongst the Japanese punk, uh, bands we met. The tour was organized by Snuffy Smile Records and I'd say that there were, it was an obvious influence on most of the Japanese bands we played with and stuff you smile released at the time. Um, yes. 
Totally. Oh, you didn't tour with Leatherface, I don't think. My band in at least toured Japan in 2000, and Leatherface were the band. Yeah, that's true. band, yeah. Yeah. Snuffy Smile Records is like an incredible label. I think they had like some distribution um, for a moment with HG Fact or some like re- relationship at some point with HG Fact Records too. Because hmm. um, I, I think I swear I've got a label flyer, like a split label flyer somewhere. But cool. anyway, um, yeah, great label, great pop punk label. But let's dive into this email a little bit, Chris. Uh, I thought we did. I did. I not talk about that with Mackie on that set on that episode that Rose of Victories. <laughs> It's been a while now. It was, uh, for anyone taking notes here, like it was episode 106. So if you haven't heard it, um, that's what we're referring to. Um, but I don't know, you know, it's been a little while now, so I can't recall exactly. I, I, I guess not. I, I don't know. Yeah, but I, I don't, not. I don't recall anything. I did talk to him about it off air, maybe. And he kind of, I thought he told this whole story about how, the, the singer that they had was too nervous or too drunk to sing. So they got the engineer to sing it. Wow. He told me the cover or the, or the actual cover. Cause the B, the B side is oh. just an instrumental oh, or the okay. A side or which, whatever. Don't I don't be, have this record to this day. Yes. I don't know. I haven't even heard it. Um, but yeah, no, it's a, it's a cool record. It's on YouTube and yeah, you know. it looks odd. Like the cover looks awesome. Obviously I know the cover, but I don't know the, uh, the B side. But that, like, I, I could have sworn maybe it was off air that he told me that. But anyway, not that he told me it off air, like, don't tell anyone ever. But I think <laughs> maybe, like, unfortunately, you know, as you may have guessed from this podcast, I tend to get a little excited in these situations. <laughs> and sometimes I have podcasts before I start doing the actual podcast with people. So maybe that was in that. So if so, there you go. That's what, but that's the story of that seven inch, but I did mean to bring it up. Uh, next point from that email, uh, the, I don't like, I haven't gone back and listened to second empire justice in a long time, but yeah. So I had, when, when that episode came up, when you interviewed him, I did, I purposely went and listened to it again because it was a record I've long ignored. And, uh, it's weird listening to it in this modern, like contemporary context because it's actually standalone. It's a really good record, I, I feel truly. Yeah. However, um, as a Blitz record, it is you know arguably not a good record because it's such a departure that it sort of is inherently bad. Uh, which I believe even when we did the departure records thing some while back that got brought up multiple times, I think. Yeah. But uh, if if it wasn't, if this came out under Rose of Victory, you know, like now no one would care and they would just consider it something different. But it's because it's a Blitz record is why people think it's bad. It's actually quite good for like Joy Division worship, like post-punk, whatever you want to call it, um, in my opinion. I, I highly recommend re-listening to it. But I get the get why people hate it and probably can't. <laughs> but just consider it consider it a different uh, band. Basically, is the way I view it. Yeah, like I think that's you know, unfortunately, all those bands, not all those bands, but a lot of those bands have those records where you kind of got to just like find a way to look at it with fresh eyes. Because when you do, a lot of times it's not a bad record, as illustrated by the second DYS record, which is arguably better than the first. <laughs> Arguably, you know? I always got to word that in. Yeah, arguably is the most important word there. Arguably, Uh, arguably. (laughs) But I think this is a bit of a different animal to that. But what I mean is, like, for what it is, meaning, like, you know, yeah, as a Blitz record, no. Like, it it doesn't hold, especially on the back of literally a year after Voice of Generation. 
yeah, it's that doesn't fly for me. However, <laughs> on its own, if this was the only Blitz record I ever heard and didn't know who Blitz were or anything else about them, I wouldn't think this was a bad record. I wouldn't think they were a punk band, mind you, either, though. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, I think, that, I don't know, I find that with the Departure Records, if the band's good, they're going to pull off the Departure Record. It might not be good for you as being a fan of what that band was, yeah, but they're going to probably be able to pull off that, like that, that bad religion into the unknown record. Kind of yeah. okay. It's like not a bad record. Like it doesn't sound like how it can help be any worse or back to the known, but it's not like a terrible record, like as a different band. But if I, uh, I, go on. Sorry, go on. No, no, you know, go on. I was on. just going to say, I still haven't heard it. It's on YouTube. Yeah, I just, I've been never bothered. Like I've never bothered to hear it. I remember. When American Hardcore came out and they talked about it was when I first heard about it and I just never sought it out for whatever bizarre reason. So I've still yet to hear it. But yeah, I got to make a point to check it out. Yeah, it's like the, uh, I don't know, what's the, what's the one that, <laughs> the Void Metal Record? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I know what you're talking about. I can't remember what it's called, but yeah. Yeah. Or the, you, you know, unless, you know, in the other, the, the War Zone. <laughs> The Warzone, Warzone, Warzone is yeah. another instance of that. See, I mean, that's it's why again, it goes, sorry, go on, go on. It's just the departure record uh, scenario. Like we've gone through this, so yeah. But it's also, I think this all goes back to the point from a few weeks ago. Black Dust might be the best of all the departure records for bands. Yeah, I mean, I like that record. It's a straight sick up record. Band. It's a sick record. Yeah. <laughs> like they what just I would say it, though. Is I think unlike some of the other ones, I think the identity of what Black Di- uh, Black Dice, excuse me, Black Dust is. <laughs> they had a departure more, record. They, they did too. They were a departure band. They were a departure I actually band. Really like that band. But uh, aside, um, Black Dust as a record, I think is more in keeping with what Wide Eye always were, despite you know sonically a bit of a change. Mm-hmm. But I think like the tone of the record is in keeping with the rest of what it is. Whereas, you know, Warzone self-titled, I don't know. <laughs> like, certainly not that Blitz record. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, it would be awesome if it, if they, like, if a band changed their sound completely but kept the exact same lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it's still just, like, the same stuff about, you know, 1969 and, and, and fighting and, <laughs> you know. Yes, the the usual tropes, yeah. The usual tropes, but it's like, you know, over New Order or over metal or, you know, whatever. Well, I think that second Empire Justice record is probably the closest that that ever came. Yeah, that's true. I I had to think about it. And now, if there was a band that sounded like Joy Division and had super hard oi lyrics, they would be the most popular band in punk. Totally. And I'm telling you, stand alone, if you re-listen to that record... It, when you hear all of the bands that have done it in contemporary years, like this vibe, yeah, like that, they nail it on this record. Like it's not bad for what it is at all. Yeah. It's just not yeah. blitz. Yep, that, so that's Ed, the fall. That's right. You know, it's, there's some good songs, but yeah, it's not blitz. Exactly. Um, uh, on footnotes, you mentioned no future Channel Three hookup. Oh yeah, the Blitz Channel Three tour. That would be a, a weird tour, but like it's just like I wonder. Then this would this is a question for Mackie. Like I'm always so curious about people in England's awareness of what was happening in North America as far as punk and hardcore goes. 
Yeah, especially in those years specifically. Yeah. Uh, what I've heard of some of the early British people um, who came over, at least ones who came over to the West Coast, uh, it seems like they didn't know, you know, a, a good deal, meaning that like even like the Danger House scene didn't really get lost on them, stuff like that. As far as like the overall punk scene, though, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how much it actually permeated there, but definitely the people that you know were doing things seem to be aware of it, or at least even coming over and and experiencing it to some degree, which is kind of wild, in my opinion. I'm trying to remember who it was, but like I remember Hank from um, from uh, Kangaroo Records, yep. the guy who ran it, had the story yep. about like playing. Was it? Was it Mency from Angelic Upstarts? But like playing, like you know, like one of those like top tier British oi punk people. Um, yeah. The oh, maybe it was maybe it was the lead singer of the Oppressed. But anyway, it was, it was one of those like anti fascist top tier oi people. But playing them Jerry's kids for the first time, and just like, <laughs> and them getting it. But like just playing it for them in a room with like a bunch of other people, like maybe even from the band, yeah. and just them not getting it at all. Just being like, <laughs> uh, no. That's got to be weird, yeah. When you think about it in those terms, like you're influenced by one type of band and then you play them something else they're not familiar with, but it's still equally as cornerstone or whatever and doesn't resonate, that would be yeah. strange for me. Yeah. But at the same time, I kind of get it. Like I don't think Jerry's Kid sounds anything like that. So I get it, but I like both bands. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, same here. And I like it. I, and it's possible to like both bands, you know? Like that's the thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like, but I guess it would have been, you know, like your punk is never going to be, you know, once you have your definition of punk, you're not going to let someone ruin it with their definition of punk, even if it's way faster. Yeah, true. And I think the other the other way to look at it is I think there's a lot more people who are like Anglophiles mm -hmm. on our end. I'm not sure how much that like goes the other way. I think in contemporary times it goes the other way where people like worship American hardcore as it is in its contemporary form. But like at that time, I don't know how, you know, like I'm assuming they were hearing stuff even like dead Kennedy's and thinking it was decent, but you know how much of them were like going off about SSD or that kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. I'm guessing not much. Yeah, exactly. Like how many of them were deep cuts? Like bad brains played the UK. Dead Kennedy's definitely played the UK. But not too many of those bands came over. So it's almost like there was a disconnect, right? Like, yeah. Between the worlds. Yeah, like, um, I'm just wondering in those years, like, if you interviewed, pe like, you know, people in Britain in, like, in 86, you know, how many of them were really psyched on Age of Coral? You know what I mean? Like, like, I know by 86, I think, well, like, you know, like, maybe if you're interviewing some of the older people that were still around, but almost yeah. by, like, by, like, 87, you got, like, jail cell recipes. Going in yeah. like in like uh in Lee or Liverpool. Sorry, God, people get pissed off when they hear that. Um, <laughs> and you've got like yep. uh, and you've got like you know you've got like a different scene. Like I imagine there would have been like some sort of connection between that UK grind, like hardcore yeah. stuff, yeah. like the early punk that crossover period, and like what was happening in America. Like I imagine those yeah. people would have known about Siege through tape trading and stuff. Oh, for sure. I got to think at least the, like the napalm death, like seed, seed people who started all that were probably into all that stuff. It would yeah. be my guess, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. I just mean, it just doesn't, I don't know. To me, it doesn't, 
it seems strange, like in hindsight, thinking mm-hmm. about these things. Mm-hmm. But yeah, at the time, I mean, especially when you have, like you said, tape trading or corresponding takes way longer. You're not, you know what I mean? It's just not, you don't know, it's not as uh, ubiquitous or whatever. And that's why Robbie Brookside is the king of punk because <laughs> true. dude was <laughs> that guy. Yep, like, very true. Right at the jump and is still yeah. that guy. Totally. We have, uh, we have had, fr- did he send you? Yeah. You've seen that correspondence, I assume, right? Uh, uh, yeah. I was, uh, I was to, while I was talking to him like earlier that week, he's like, oh, should I email him? I'm like, yeah, definitely email him. He's he's, he's, <laughs> he yeah, he's, he's still emailing punks and wanting to go to record stores. Uh, yep. it was fantastic to read. So yeah. Uh, yeah. It's great. He's, he's he like, is the realist. He is the realist. He is the realist. If you haven't listened to that episode, that they're like, oh man, I, it's funny because like someone today tweeted like something really nice about the Cool ID episode, right? And I was like, oh, thank yeah. you. Like, this is the best one you've, best interview you've done yet, right? Um, yeah. And I was like, I wonder, if, I wonder what, what my favorites are. And I went back and I'm looked. They're like, there have been not because of me, not because of me, because of the guests, <laughs> like an unbelievable amount of cool guests on this show. Yeah. You're just now learning this? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. I just said you get lost in it. You know, I'm so worried about the guest that's going to come next week that I forget about, like, you know, all the all the fun times that have been in the past. That's the thing about this podcast, though, Chris. It's like you're like a – there's no seasons, right? You're like constantly just like, boom, here's a podcast. Boom, here's a podcast. Never ends. Never slows down. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I think people who – like uh, the footnotes – or not footnotes, pardon me. The turned out of punk, you know – the the OG brand, if you will, the OG people brand. are in, people are in tune with what uh, what the guests are. I think it's it's well established. Well, I appreciate that, Chris, and I thank you as one of the OGs of the OGs. <laughs> yeah, and I mean that in the marijuana way, which means that you're ocean grown. Okay, I don't know what that means, but well, well, I know you, what that means. You know when people say OG Kush? Yeah, yeah. You know that's what that means. For yeah, real? it doesn't. It has nothing to do with original gangster. Nothing. Yeah, I thought that was purely street slang. It's nope. funny. I actually did learn. I did learn something tonight. Yeah, it stands like, for Ocean Grown Kush, and it was like the the first. I think it's California. The, that's the one they started in California. That's funny. So what you're telling me now is it's distinctly not. It's it's a lot less cool than I had thought it was initially. Uh, dude, I would say it's even cooler. Because <laughs> like if someone is like, "This is O G Kush," you're like, "That is corny." When they're like, "It's an original gangster Kush." <laughs> I was watching this documentary and someone referred to it as an original gangster Kush. And it yeah. was like a LOL moment for me and three other weed people that I was in the theater with. <laughs> Everyone else just <laughs> let it go by. But when we burst into laughter, oh God, it was, you had to be there. I think Chris, you had to be there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you might've had to you. do some dabs too at the time too. <laughs> Probably. Yes. Back to the email. What was the episode? Oh, was the, we're looking, yeah. Back to the email. So Leatherface. <laughs> Leatherface. Uh, yeah, this band is, you know, that band changed the world. You know, I think it's amazing what they did for, you know, aggressive vocals and melodic music. I think, uh, I think we've kind of discussed this a bit in the past. So yeah. I feel like, you know, we don't need to, to harp on it, but yeah, of course, like great group. No. I think, you know, we're debatably underrated. I think underrated in our neck of the woods. Like, I think they were pretty recognized for a minute, but I just mean overall. Like, they don't say, I would say overall underrated. It's not like when you go, you know, they're obviously more well known in the UK, but it's not like when you go to the UK, like, to me, this band should be up there with uh, the laws as far as like, 
great influencers, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think like that's what I mean to say is like when you think of like the sort of contemporary punk bands that everybody knows as like the sort of defining sonic templates of like the last 20 years, like that's or 30 debatably, depending who you're talking about, like Leatherface to me should be one of them mm-hmm. Absolutely. because you would you don't. And again, it's not even a group that are, are a group that I've been like in a gigantic fan of, but like you do not have hot water music mm-hmm. in my opinion without Leatherface. So that alone was like a huge, whatever sea change for a minute. And so, yeah, even just something like that is indebted and uh, speaks volumes. Yeah. Yeah. No, truly like, as we've talked about many times, and we will talk about probably again in future. Oh yeah. Leatherface is criminally, criminally underrated. Yes. And they've got a box set, you know, which, you know, most of the time that means your band is overrated by that point. So <laughs> yeah, they still manage to be underrated with a box set. Agreed, fully agreed. Um, okay, Gigi, Gigi Allen and Martin. Oh, this this is for you though, right? Yeah, yeah, I'll take it. Um, we discussed again. I cannot remember the episode now which this came up, but there was. Uh, I'm guessing it was after the Terry T. Perhaps I, I can't recall, but um, because there was a, a variety of Gigi stories that started filtering through. Maybe might have even been the. Uh, Gerard Cosley's second episode or what have you, but yeah, it was. It um, was. Yeah, so Gigi and Martin Atkins came up, and Martin Atkins, of course, from Pill Fame and uh, Pig Face and a variety of other things, Invisible Records. But um, Gigi Allen, uh, it was rumored that Gigi had, for whatever reason, punched him, and uh, then we I ended up looking into it and found a photo on the internet of a bloody nosed Martin Atkins and confirmed that it did in fact happen. But we were trying to trace how. You know how this could come about. So John uh, Q wrote in here, and he says John uh, it's John from Ithaca um, mentions the incident and says that uh, he looked up on a pill, uh, a thorough pill-like band website that uh, it mentioned uh, in '81 uh, Brian Brain, which was another Martin Atkins groups played at the Rat in that year. So the guess is that it was actually Brian Brain and. Uh, that's how that confrontation happened. As to why, we don't know, but uh, it was just – I thought about including this because that was funny when people send us these little uh, whatever research tidbits that I don't end up finding. So, yeah. So there you go. He maybe punched him because he showed up and he was like expecting, you know, like uh, another secret band. He was expecting business. <laughs> yeah, could be. Not, I mean, who, who you're knows? not hard enough. This is like a departure record. <laughs> it could have been something like that. The funny thing is, is I'm curious. I, I intend uh, in coming years, at which point I can ever have people who I know are in contact with Martin or whatever, or say I am, or you are, let's say, at some event that you are performing I email, at. I have say. his email address. I met him actually at an event a couple of years ago. Before yeah, yeah, I did Turn Out of Punk, I did this presentation at uh, Halifax Pop Explosion. And yeah. He, I didn't like recognize him. He's just like, you know, there's like a bunch of younger people in the crowd. And then he's at the back and then he came up at the end and he's like introduced himself. And I was just like, yeah, floored. And I think, I think I must still have his email. He would be someone incredible to have on this podcast. He's great. You should interview cool. him. And he's a very good, uh, he's, he's, I've met him a number of times. He's a very nice man, but he has a lot to say and he's, he's very, um, it's very coherent. If anyone knows his musical career, knows who we're talking about. He, at least at a time, had a reputation for being uh, 
like a party tank, but he actually is very like remembers everything. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, that story I'm sure we can unearth at some point in time. Hopefully, when you interview him. So hopefully. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's, uh, let's let me uh, work on that. I'm gonna get on that. Yes. Yeah. Um, speaking of getting on, uh, thank you, John, very much, John from Ithaca for sending that email in. Let's get on to the next email. Chris, I accidentally closed my Google doc. One second. Let me open it again. This is the, uh, I can read it if you want, if you, you can read it or I can awkwardly wait for it to load and there it is. (laughs) No, not yet. Two more. Ah, okay. (laughs) Just finding my place. It's in red. Ah, there we go. Josh R. has written in with some taupe praise and thoughts. I just wanted to bring up a few things that I've touched up that have been touched upon in various footnotes episodes. Number one, punk in pop culture media. Not sure if it has been mentioned, but the infectious grooves play in the high school prom in the movie Encino Man. I know they're not necessarily a punk band, but Mike Muir is obviously. Uh, from suicidal tendencies and uh, Robert Trillo is from, was in suicidal at the time. Who's now in Metallica. Uh, yeah, that I've, I, I totally forgot about that. I don't think I've seen Encino man though, since I was like 10. Yeah. Talk about a great movie though, for a cheesy movie. It's a really great movie. I think in my infectious grooves must've had like a kind of a moment there. Well, they were like, yeah, they were, popular yeah, obviously like, but like I don't know if I would ever say that they were as popular as suicidal maybe no. I'm wrong but um but yeah like I think that was like I don't know what year in Man came out and it's not terribly relevant I spoke to what we're talking about but I think in it. those that window of time there were always these little things and they've come up on the show um one was uh what was it the mask it's youth brigade playing as a is it Royal Crown Review or is it actually just Youth Brigade playing? Anyway, the, the non-DC. In, I, in that movie? Yeah, The Mask. The movie The Mask. The, in The, the Mask. It's, oh, it's, uh, it's, it's Youth Brigade. But oh, is it 22 Jacks playing? I don't know. I always thought it was just Youth Brigade playing as a swing band. It was actually Youth Brigade like the the Canadian, let's say, Youth Brigade, if you will. Yeah, um, they all are ultimately Canadian. Yeah. Um, and so there's stuff like that, or like, uh, like this is an example of another one in Encino Man. There's what is it, Cannibal Corpses and Pet Ventura, and like, so there's always like, again, not punk necessarily, but, uh, yeah, these kind of things cropped up. And I do think it is relevant, although I, you know, I'm not a big infectious guy personally. I love suicidal though. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, you're right. Related for sure. Like Mike Muir, of course. Pretty funny, um, though, I had one of those punk pop culture sightings today on TV when I was watching that show High Maintenance about, you know, yeah, that show? what was this? I love that show. Yeah. What what did you find? Krusty Punk in the park wearing an Epsi patch. Oh, I didn't jump out at me. I thought you were going to actually name like, oh, so-and-so was in this or whatever. Dude, yeah, I, I um, was going to scra- I was going to I could screen capture it. It was that nice like, there. That's a great show. It's a good show. Hasn't seen that. Sidebar, great show. Yeah, that, and, great show. And you're hearing that from someone who smokes weed while watching it and from someone who's never smoked weed while watching yep, it. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. They just do a really good job of yep. writing that show. But the it started as a web series and it, it got picked up by HBO. It's excellent. Well yep. worth watching for anyone that hears this. Yeah. Um, not a comedy, though. Anyway. Not a, it's funny, but oh, not a yeah. comedy. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's got a lot of heart is what I would say. Yeah, a lot of heart. I think that was the thing with it. Like to myself, it was always like – 
misrepresented as a comedy. So anytime I tried to watch it, I was always like, ah, this isn't funny. And then when I finally sat yeah, down I, and tried to watch it differently, a lot of heart, as you say. Yeah, it's very good. Well done. Um, I did Point call out the two. Encino Man soundtrack, Chris. Oh, okay. We're not, all right. What what did you find out? Uh, the I think the only other close thing to punk that I can find on it is uh, there is a Smithereen song on it. And, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's really – and then there's also Scatterbrains on it who, of course, were on In Effect. Yeah, and that's actually a, a good song. Uh, in my opinion as well cheesy in hindsight but i love that song at the time and it featured tommy christ oh sorry no i love the i'm not going down with the ship it's the song like this is actually their cover of ll cool j or whatever the hell weird thing that is oh that is a cover is that a cover of ll cool j yeah it's not, yeah i don't even know if it, it's it's like an actual i don't even know if it doesn't obviously it's not like really wrapped sort of but it is i don't know it's that song bad. would have come out like almost the exact same time as bomb said yeah it's really odd it's like one of those weird like yeah um you're you are avoiding jesus and mary chainer on it which is very cool and and the and scream very, but not and scream. The scream. but just very weird like why yeah. are jesus and mary chainer on this that's odd like maybe they're on the same major label that did the whole soundtrack. Like, well, yeah, exactly. I'm guessing, but it's just so weird. Like Vince yep. Neil solo, yep. as in Motley Cruz, Vince Neil, Cheap Trick, Queen, Scatterbrain, Crystal Waters, y- Yothi Yindai. I don't know what that is. Infectious Grooves, Smithereens, Edgar Winter Group, The Scream, Jesus and Mary Chain, Steve Vai, which, by the way, in running order is directly after Jesus and Mary Chain. Ugh. Uh, High C, T-Ride, and Tone Loke to end it off. So, yeah, there was definitely some people with ponytails picking that lineup that have no idea of what they're doing. That's Smithereens is cover, too. Are all these covers? Cover? Yeah, they're all covers, yeah, I think. The Queen song's a cover. Wow. It's all covers. Yeah, because Crystal, some... yeah. Crystal Waters is a cover, isn't it? No. Uh... Yeah, I, well, you turn me on. I'm sure there's a lot of songs called that, but yeah, like, yeah. But why do you want me? I don't know that song offhand. No, but feed but the monkeys. Not feed the monkey is an infectious groove song. Is it? Well, yeah, I would think. Isn't it? Anyway, isn't that Peter Murphy? What what song? Sorry. Feed the monkey. Isn't it Peter Murphy or whatever? No, no, it's 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 there. Was that shock? Yeah, shock, the shock, the shock the monkey shock the monkey shock the monkey awful crazy video though i anyway. nailed it though with that with right right that's what you're you saying. did nail okay, it that good. was great your your range hit there so i was impressed <laughs> do, you think, do you think the are you, are you see that record you see that song by high c leave yeah. my curl alone yeah do you think brian b sly foxworthy is related to jeff foxworthy comedian <laughs> probably not <laughs> uh, a different foxworthy family yeah anyway weirdest soundtrack infectious screws on it at least uh yeah very odd very odd soundtrack um and uh where is that it did i have and that was uh, that was point one point one so, so now one point two <laughs> act there yeah. it is action one of my favorite punk bands as a young teenager was this band called Action from Canada, who I believe only put out one LP. Have you heard of them? If not, check out their self-titled LP, Killer. Oh, have I ever heard of them. I happen to be a friend of Mr. Marvelous Mark. 
uh, one time member of Action. This can't be confused with, there's like a bunch of bands obviously called Action over the years, um, including yeah. a punk band from Ottawa, like first wave Ottawa punk band called Action. Uh, but then there's also this band, The Action, which is being referred to by Josh in this email. And that action was from Scarborough from, I don't know, where was that? Like the mid 2000s? The record came out in 2004 on okay. Funcore Records. So yeah, it would have been like early 2K. Yeah. And they, they morphed out of the band The Class. That was a, uh, like, I, I don't even know what, what type of punk was that? I never was the familiar with the punk. class. I guess we was called street punk. Yeah, it would be the easiest way of saying it. Yeah. And by, by street punk meaning like I didn't see the class, but if it, the action is any indication, like zero oi real oi influence in my opinion. Yeah. More punk. like the yeah, like like uh you know, like whatever the, the North American uh idea of that. So I, I think guess, the class had a little more of an oi kind of like yeah, they might have, but the action definitely does. Yeah, the action, the action by the, by the time that LP came around, they were even kind of like having some hardcore, you know, yeah. Scandinavian kind of influence to it. And then yeah. Marvelous Mark has con, gone on to do, you know, Marvelous Darlings. And I think other members went on to do other projects. Yeah. Uh, Featuring members of No Warning. Who was it? Who was from No Warning in it? I believe Matt and Ben, no? In the action? Or no, Marvelous no, Darlings. Marvelous Darlings. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, that's what I thought you meant. The action. No, I was actually trying to think who, who are the rest of the members of the action. Ooh, I don't know. That I never knew. I never knew them. Like, it's uh, weird because that was, um, that was like, you know, and I'm sure you could speak to this more in a weird way, but as an outsider, like from Toronto, like I don't live in Toronto, never have. So this group was kind of like not in the mix, sort of. I don't know how to explain that. Like, I never saw this group. Yeah, they like, were, but they like were like it came out. It was like, um, it was like almost like a, a a different scene. Like the action crossed over a little bit, but it was almost like more of the punk punk scene. Yes, but it's hard to. I don't know how to like. I'm having trouble articulating this for someone who doesn't know Toronto of that era. But it just wasn't something that would be as ubiquitous as catching like whatever. Like the, yeah, they were the token bands everyone thinks of yeah. now from Toronto in that era. And like I said, I never saw them, and I was going to probably the most shows in Toronto that than I ever have in those years, and I never caught them. Yeah, and not because I didn't like punk, and I always heard this LP was good too, but um, and I and I found out it was good, but I mean, I never, yeah, never got into them as a group like to to follow or whatever. I think they played with CS. I remember they must have, but I've never, you know, I never yeah. saw them with CS anytime yeah. I saw them early on. It was just weird. I mean, it, it's sort of like it's the we've sort of discussed this before. There's like this, you know, mild to me anyway. There's this mild like uh, invisible line between like the capital P punk stuff, like uh, which were generations even before this. But action to me was more like in keeping with stuff like that. Mm -hmm. They didn't really they weren't really like for me like in the hardcore scene, if you will. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say, I guess. But anyway, whatever. Yeah, like, and it was also at a, a moment where there was still, you know, like things would break down a little bit in a couple of years, but at this point there was still. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not saying that as a slight either to keep it on record. Like, I, this band's great. I just mean like I never saw them because it wasn't really, you know, popping in what I was like watching then. The other action also from Ottawa is Sick Two. Check them out. Yeah, and the old sort of, uh, I believe they're like a mod beat band action is really good too. Check them out. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Agreed. 
Yeah, check out all the action. Uh, number three, cruising soundtrack. I found the movie soundtrack for cruising on vinyl at a local record shop, shop and forgot how awesome the soundtrack is. If you haven't heard it, give it a whirl. Not exclusively punk, though it does have the germs on it. And one, of, and we, you know, I think you and me have discussed this before. One of our favorite germ songs. The soundtrack yeah. as a whole is pretty epic and groovy at times. Um, yeah, it also yeah, has I rough mean, trade. Yeah, I mean, it's it's um for me, this is like one of those things where it's a record that like you have to buy as like someone who buys punk for the germ song, yeah. almost even even strictly. And actually, it's funny because I think I first scored my copy, you know, crate digging with you and coming across it then but um yeah I, I mean obviously the infamy of the movie uh is a bit lasting uh but yeah that germ song is great but it's not really a punk soundtrack i, I wouldn't say yeah yeah no i wouldn't say it's necessarily necessarily the, well i don't know it's it's new wave it's a new wave soundtrack yeah it's reflective yeah. of a it's new fine. wave of music it's fine for like when it came out, whatever, 1980. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's going to be what it is. Genre on the resource is electronic rock, funk soul, stage and screen. <laughs> so. Yeah, but that's uh, a Discogs genre thing. Like, God only yeah, knows yeah, yeah. who yeah. that person was that put it there. Um, yeah. There are people on there that enter dirty dancing tapes. So there are some weird sickos on, <laughs> on the resource. <laughs> Oh, God bless them, though. <laughs> God bless them, but, like, who's sitting there looking at yeah. their, like, mass-produced tape collection being like, fuck, there needs to be a resource <laughs> so people can look up this information. What you need to say to yourself, though, is it, is it maybe better that people like that are spending their energy doing that as opposed to other things, which could be terrible. Let's just... That's true. Hypo- like, like, you know, let's just guess. That's true. Anyway. Um, true. But, yeah, we, we're very aware of that soundtrack. Um and, uh, yeah, the germ song makes it essential, in my opinion. I'm not sure if you feel the same, Dan. Well, absolutely. I think it's, I think it's essential because also you're not going to have to pay a lot of money for it, you know, most yeah. times because there is a few, num- few of them pressed. Uh, I think like that yeah. is far more common than the movie cruising, which is really hard to see for the longest time. It was like out of Yeah, print. that's very true. Yeah. Um, I agree. But yeah, so like, I would say definitely essential for the germ song. Number four. Killed by Epiphat, make it happen. I'd order it. I would make it. You know, like, I, I know you need more yeah. time. I've got already like a track list in my mind playing at all times of well, what you, would be on you, it. You did kind of already brainstorm with people who uh, do things in the, in the music industry that, uh, and they already sort of gave you some, some uh, suggestions. So I do see at some point in the future that this could actually happen. I just need someone uh, like to like, if I gave someone like a list of the records I'd want on it, I need someone who actually does like all the work. So, <laughs> you know, I, I can think of the songs that I, I'd want you to do the work for, but you would actually to do all the work. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I just think you'll eventually get there. I'm, I'm hoping, uh, because it, I think it is, it is a good idea. I think it's there a, great was a bit of, there was a bit of uh, what were the comps that you were bringing up in reference to this when this kind of came up last time? It um, was the Kill by Death, Back to Front. Well, Kill by Death, obviously, but <laughs> no, it was the, the Kill by Epi- Epitaph, wasn't there? That one that was, was got brought up. It was like, Kill by Epitaph, which is the one which is Do You Feel Lucky Punk, was what it was retitled, I believe, when Epitaph did put it out. 
but it's a compilation yeah. of rare Dutch punk records that yeah. Epitaph ultimately reissued. So yeah. maybe Epitaph would put this out. I don't know. Like, I want this to be all bands, though, that weren't on Epitaph and weren't on Fat. Like, I want this to be like a Kill by Death comp, but of yeah. that type of music. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, it's, it's definitely possible. There's enough of that around, for sure. Oh, God, yeah. I put maybe... I, I might have to put a DBS Snowball, but 7-inch version on it. That's the great... Yeah, that's the great thing, is you could throw them on it yep. shamelessly, because none of that stuff came out on, like, prominent labels. Yeah. Which is another reason why they're, like, a joint favorite group of you and I for the show, for regular listeners. Um, but, yeah, you, you would get away with, with some of that, I think, for sure. Yeah, someone, someone, if someone's listening out there that owns a record label and is like, man... These guys should have an imprint. Give us an imprint because we could reissue so much cool shit. Yes, mainly Damien because uh, Damien's got the ear and the uh, the record collection to back it up. No, but. no, Chris, we, you and me both know that we could reissue the DBS record on vinyl. Oh, all that, like all that. Need. I thought you were talking about your Epifat comp still. No. Oh, this is in relation to the DBS. I'm, I'm talking about yes. like I'm talking about a broader picture too. Like you know, I'm just saying yeah. we could do that. Five Knuckle Chuckle albums never come out on vinyl. <laughs> that that's for David Up out there. Shout out David Up. There, there you go, go Dave. <laughs> also, uh, for everyone who uh, has been asking me about it, I did you know that weird spreadsheet thing I posted on Instagram? Did you see that where I connected all the Toronto bands through shared members? Yeah, that was great. By the way, it was very cool. Well, I did that like years ago. Like as you can see, it's pre yeah, yeah. you and me having Bergenfield Four, right? So I'm working on an update. It was on it. You did it then. I did it before Bergenfield 4 existed. Oh, okay, yeah, This yeah. was like 2001, maybe? Yeah, it seemed early. Yeah, now that you say that, I didn't see anything that seemed – okay. But what about it in reference to – Well, I'm just saying like if we did it now, I'm doing it one yeah. now as an updated version. And, and buddy, it's pretty sick. Did you well, know I that you I... can connect yourself <laughs> to – I'm trying to think of some of the funnier ones that we got. Well, Tragically Hip, Avril Lavigne. Um, I can connect you now, Chris. I don't. To I think Earth you're Crisis. reaching on the Avril. Okay. Well, how are you going to break down the Avril Lavigne one? You want? I this? know how you break down the Tragically Hip one. That, that one's easy because there's two. Tragically Hip one's easy, but this is going to be this is going to blow your mind right now. Okay. Uh, Avril Lavigne, the bass player, was in grade. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I got it. Grade, you know. Brought it back right there. Um, well, so you're okay. I see what you mean. See, to me, that was really, I, I thought you meant directly to her in some weird capacity. I guess, yeah. No, it's through shared members. I, no, I know, I know. I just I mean, think like, you would know mind. if you were in Avril Lavigne's band. Like, if no, you would no, have been the me. bass player. I mean, like, someone, something that was a bit more immediate, I guess is what I mean. But yeah, you, no. you are right. That's that yeah. can be done. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's long. Some of these trips are long. You know, <laughs> that was relatively short. So that's but like, easy. you know, Any? like, but like, you know, like Earth Crisis and Propagandi can be that's connected lit. through shared memories. Those, those were good. I like the, yeah, that you put those in there. There's like, uh, uh, who would ever think those two would meet? Well, I'm trying to think of what, where you connected that. That would have been, who's uh, the shared memory? Are you connecting via swallowing shit or via weaker? Like, where, where are you doing that? Okay. Uh, Earth Crisis to Path of Resistance to Prayer for a Fallen Angel to Chokehold yeah. to – Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on. Breaks. OK. Where do you get the Chokehold thing other than that you put it out? Chris Logan sang in Prayer for a Fallen Angel. It's two singers. Did he? Yeah. 
I didn't know he was one of those singers. Yeah, I, I thought it was both Syracuse guys. No, it was at the moment where there was like it was like cool to do like a gang band. Oh, you know what? I'm thinking I got that wrong. I'm thinking of Path of Resistance. Yeah, pardon me. Yeah, for, for pulling it. Yeah, one of the dudes okay. from Prayer was in Path. Gotcha. So that's yeah, how yeah, that connects. I follow you now. And then, yeah, okay. um, and then I'm trying to remember. So how. chokehold, okay. And chokehold, but I'm trying to now. I got to go back. So weaker thans. Connected to four square. Uh, oh, so Propagandi connects to weaker thans, weaker thans to four square. Four square connects to two line filler, two line filler to chokehold. That was it. Wow. That's, this is good work. This is, most people won't know these bands, but I, you know, you calling some of these out, I'm like, wow, that is good work. How about this, Chris? <laughs> in, in our, through shared members, in, yeah. Toronto bands. Yeah. One can now connect Charles Bronson to <laughs> the White Stripes. Ooh, okay. I'm curious about this one. Charles Bronson, I know you're going to what? Say what? Ruination. Ruination, so obviously. You, yep. You're getting Ebro in, in there. Yeah, so now I brought and it back did... into the board. So from uh, uh, from – well, from Ruination – I think this yeah. is, you go to fucked up from okay. fucked up. You go to Burgenfield four from okay for who though George for George okay yeah from Burgenfield four you go to Lex on fire yeah Lex on fire you go to Dallas Green City and Color City and Color yeah. you go to the Rock on Tours and the Rock on Tours you get to the White Stripes. <laughs> Well done. That was uh, – I should have thought of that easier, but man, that is funny. You're, you're killing it. You're very good at this because I wouldn't have thought of that even though I've met – his name's Jack also. I've met Jack who plays Little in Jack. the Raconteurs and, uh, and the White – or not White Stripes, pardon me, but he plays in the Raconteurs with Jack White. Um, and you've met Jack White, so I think, right? Yeah, I'm, and I met Little Jack at a different time. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, Anyway, very but- funny. But yeah, like I think that's the thing is like I'm working on an updated version and trust me, it's gotten way crazier. No, it's a great idea. I think like if we ever compile – well, debating on what you want to do with whatever you're doing with this, that could be one of the compiled like elements of things we put in like our maybe to never happen zine thing that we do for the show or whatever. Yeah, or I want to make it an all over print shirt. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea too. You should. (laughs) With all these weird fans connecting to each other. No, that's great. That's a great idea. <laughs> but I tell you, it's been like in the in the mitigating ten years that have happened, or more than ten years now. Like what, sixteen years, fifteen years? People in Toronto have done some interesting bands. Yeah, you're right. It's diverse enough now where you can really start connecting. Some oh yeah. Far away. Well, like it. It definitely well, bizarre. And like, anyway, no, sorry. go on. No, no, no. It definitely. It, I think it opened up a lot. When uh, Dallas uh, Good joined, and well, obviously Little Jack joined the Rack on Tour, joining uh, City and Color helped with that Jack White connection. But also, Dallas Good has opened up a lot of channels when he joined Career Suicide for shared band members. <laughs> yeah, true. That definitely filled like, in a hole. Andre the game Williams, Nico Case is on there now. Mao is on there now. There's like a lot of bands on there. I'm pretty sure you could. We could connect if we tried really hard. We could even connect Drake um, down, or even like the Weekend or Justin Bieber. 
any like, of that. I, I I was trying to think about that. I don't know. I think we would know if there was like a punk hardcore person that was doing music stuff with Drake. But, but no, it doesn't it have to be because like, you're doing be you're doing members. You'll be through you're doing members of. Yeah, I'm sure there's if if we think hard enough or or something happens, we'll we'll be able to do it. It'll be it took a minute, but it'll happen. I was in a school movie with Noah Shabib, forty. <laughs> so I think I connect directly to Drake. So well, <laughs> I think uh, yeah, I think I, I just think it's possible. Anyway, this is very funny, but we should move on. <laughs> do that. Let's move on. One final well, note. Sometime in the near future, oh, sorry, yeah. I will send you what I consider to be one of the most important publications defining my punk trajectory. Revolver Magazine released a top 50 best punk albums list back in 2003. I want to get your and Chris's feedback and any criticism on that list. Um, well, I'm, I'm going to warn you now, Josh, it's probably not going to be pretty because, as you notice, Chris and I tend to be snobby. <laughs> yeah i i think though if it was published in 2003 it's going to be pretty it's going to have stuff we can't that's disagree true. with that's true but but yes let's just say we're going to try our hardest to disagree with not just to antagonize you but because i think it'd be funnier yeah definitely so, yeah. well maybe like there's knows, any like, clash it could be like there. the yeah the clash is definitely gonna get oh my god <laughs> fugazi you fucking kidding me top 50 i'm saying fugazi's probably not on there I not, think no slight to Fugazi. I just don't think it's something Revolver would have put on a top 50 list. I, I think there would be too many slots. I think, so. I think so. I was picking up Revolver we'll at see. this point, too. I had this issue. I own this issue, too, somewhere. Um, yeah. And I'm trying we, to remember. We'll uh, get into it. Maybe even we'll get into it with the Daves uh, and really we'll tear it Daves. down. Yeah. We'll do it for the Daves. But, Josh, as that being said, thank you for the amazing email. Now that we're saying yeah. that we're going to destroy <laughs> this pivotal publication in your life. But don't worry. You can destroy all the pivotal publications in my life too, because they're yes, they're been. I actually the punk lists are my like my favorite things because no matter how good they are, I you can always find fault in them. Yeah, agreed. I, I that's what I mean. I, I mean with with, a, with affection that we can sort of yeah, like whatever. I, yeah. I I say that like Jamian says in the snobby context of saying like you know does Revolver have any business publishing a top fifty punks list? Yeah, I don't think so, but. Does anyone? <laughs> they, you know, like, yeah. Does anyone? Whatever. Like, I just it's that idea is kind of funny to me. But um, anyway, I, I like that. It, no one has a right to do it, but God love them for doing it because that yeah, makes it lists, awesome. Lists are great, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've gone through them already. Right, we will get to that. But uh, great message. Um, Speaking of lists, Chris, what's next on the list? The next on the list is the last email we're going to deal with tonight because it will take up uh, the whole show if we continue. But <laughs> But uh, it's from uh, Drew. Drew N. writes in, and uh, it's specifically in regards to something that we have talked about uh, a number of times on the show for regular listeners, which is the roots, meaning the band, the roots, uh, their connection to punk. And you and I had long speculated that we know it's on the, the record for analogy, uh, but we didn't know the song and we didn't know how it came about. So, and we so couldn't be bothered to listen to the record to figure it out. Yeah, I honestly just kept forgetting. I, I did. <laughs> Me too. I do like the roots. Me too. Gladly. I mean, true, you too. It's just whatever. We were too busy to, to listen and be thorough, and, and we don't get paid. So it is what it is. But um, I heard you discussing the roots' punk connections in the most recent footnotes, and I have some really weird details for you connecting all that. While none of the current members have punk connections that I know of, 
the Roots did feature a guitarist named Ben Kenny from 2000 to 2003. He's only on one of their albums, Phrenology, uh, but for that record, he contributed a song, and it's just quoted here at six exclamation points, um, that is basically a punk song. I'd link it, but it's not up online. Uh, prior to being in The Roots, uh, this is kind of where the connection gets solided out as far as the punk thing. Uh, Kenny was, uh, sorry, Kenny played in a band called Super Grub along with Chuck Treese, who is best known, of course, for having been in McRad and Underdog. And, uh, you know, Drew just goes on to speculate that Questlove has never mentioned anything either, but, um, you know, likely has some kind of uh, ear for it as well. So, yeah, that's uh, that answers the question for us after all this time. Daniel. Awesome. Well, thank you for sending that in. I'm just looking through uh, Ben Kenny's Discogs. He's in Incubus now. Yes, he mentioned that. I I narrowed down a bit of the interview. I was just like, that doesn't really relate to what we're saying, but yeah. I'm sure, like, he must have been in, I wonder what he, I'm trying to see if he had, like, some seven-inch only band. Or, like, some, like, really. You would hope, yeah. I mean, he joined the Roots fairly late, when you think. Like, 2000, 2003 is not, you know, I mean, it's great, Roots are great, but, like, that's not the, whatever, it's not the earliest era, of course. It seems like Um, he was just doing session work, like, you know, he played on the Jay-Z Unplugged record. Yeah, you know, it's still cool to think though that someone who sort of whatever was in a band with someone from McRad or Underdog, you know, rubbed shoulders with that. Very Mm -hmm. cool. Mm -hmm. No, it's awesome, and and it's like, and also just like I remember hearing that record when it came out, and hearing that song, it was just like, oh fuck, this makes sense. Oh, this is awesome. Like this, like I this I like this music. And now they're doing a song that's in the same style as other stuff I like. Same when that most deaf record came out, Black on Both Sides. And yeah, there's that uh, rock and roll song on it, which is yeah. uh, one of my faves off that thing. And it was, you know, I, I played that for my kids this weekend. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The, uh, that Roots record when it came out reminded me of like, it took me back to Ill Communication by Beastie Boys. Mm-hmm. Not so much stylistically, but just in the whole like, record that has a random like punk song thrown in the middle or a hardcore song, however you want to categorize it. Um, yeah, just thought it was a neat little, whatever. It wasn't an homage to that, obviously, but it's a, it's a cool little, whatever reminiscent of that, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay. So now I guess, should we dive into the show? Yeah, for sure. We're going to get into this. Uh, thank you for sending that email in drew. Um, and, but now we are going to, Dive into my friend Cool AD's cool, cool episode. Uh, I guess, like, where do you want to start? Like, we kind of went over a little bit. I guess I met him years ago. I He was the first. Das Races were the first artists I interviewed for The Wedge when oh, I got cool. the job. And I remember interviewing him. And before that, this is back when I actually would research stuff because, you know, you realize very quickly that you don't have to do that as a VJ at all. Um, <laughs> but I did when I first got the job. And so I was like researching and I was reading all these amazing interviews and it just, I was struck by like a lot of the stuff that, you know, cool lady was saying in these interviews. And at the time they, you know, had just put out, I believe they put out that first mixtape on Mishka had come out and, and they were kind of like, about put out the next thing and we're touring around on it, played a show in Toronto that, yeah, it's not, 
very well remembered, unfortunately, for, for that DOS Races show in Toronto, being one of the great performances they gave or anything. But then the group fell apart and broke up, and he's just kind of been putting out consistently amazing solo records kind of for the last, God, like six years at this point, seven years. And he's written for Vice, and he's got a book. And, yeah, just like a, this this awesome sort of personality existing very much in sort of like a – a hip hop context, a rap context for a lot of people. But also when I met him at that wedge thing, you know, he, we started talking punk and he knew uh, the band I played in and we just hit it off about talking about, you know, fucking Charles Bronson and man is the bastard. And <laughs> lo and behold, of course I had to have him on this podcast and he's been someone I've been <laughs> wanting to have on forever. And so I'm glad it finally happened. Nice. Uh, but yeah, so where'd you want to dive in, Chris? I've blathered enough, so you take it. No, that's cool. We we got some points here. I mean, I have some I wrote down, and the Dave's uh, sent in some stuff, and I'm just kind of looking through and trying to figure out a great uh, jump-off point. But I guess if I'm to take the first point, uh, a humorous point that I liked that was sort of accidentally stumbled upon, because I love your Misfits theory that the Misfits are simultaneously the greatest and yet not a punk band at all Yeah, uh, thing, which of course is a theory. Uh, but the fact that Gilman Street was mentioned in the same context, I was very amused by that. Yep. And I also thought, although I, I am someone who admittedly has not been to Gilman Street, however, uh, what I'm aware of, and it's in the sort of the ether of what people know, uh, I think that, yeah, that might be the greatest description of what that is too. I'd like... Yeah, I agree. I think the Gilman's just been so many different things. It would be almost like the the Gilman's almost like the Madonna of venues in the sense that but I think it's been like everything, like it's been well, obviously never a corporate venue, but like if you compare the mandate of the people that were running it a few years ago with the pan- mandate of the people that were running it in the middle section versus the people that were running in the very beginning section, it's been sort of different. Like obviously with the same principles but as far as booking policy is what i'm yeah trying to get at but i think i think that the idea of like what it is supposed to be supersedes what it is as like a thing to experience if that makes any sense from yeah. what again as little as i can understand someone who's never been um so i just i thought that was a very kind of funny analogy to actually work off your recent theory and i think it fits very well it was very clever i don't know which one of you kind of did that it was him uh, it was him yeah he was was, he was clowning on me for dropping the misfits venue or dropping the misfits of venues as my cool punk venue i think ah yes okay (laughs) (laughs) uh but it's funny because like also that that scene there and like you know i'm not there now and and it's probably you know maybe it's changed but when I first went out there and was playing shows in, in the mid-2000s, early mid-2000s, it was amazing how many spaces there were like that were kind of doing, you know, non-traditional venues, like shows there. Like yeah, the, and especially in that period as opposed to yep. what was happening in Toronto, especially yeah. in, in the proper city of Toronto, which if Fuzema was even around then, I'm not sure when you went no, to No, it was Gilman, gone. I think we were yeah. using Anya's by that, by that point, or like Q Bar or something, or yeah. one of those. Like, yeah. luckily Toronto has a lot of divey bars that are sometimes play fast and loose with their liquor licenses and allow you to have all ages yeah. shows. 
Um, yeah, but uh, that's a dying breed, I think, though. Dying breed, yeah, absolutely. Well, venues in general, like, we should have talked about this. Silver Dollar's closing. Yeah, true. We should have talked about that off the top. And I, yeah, I'm remiss because I did know about this. But, yes, I'm remiss from, from mentioning that. Um, speaking to that concern, yeah, Silver Dollar is uh, apparently closing in, what, a few months, a couple months? Yeah, and I would say that's, um, like, one of the most storied, like, when you talk about legends of Toronto venues, I'd say most of them seem to come out of that place. Well, you know, I never saw like the earliest eras, of course, of things that happened there. But what I did occur to me, like when I saw the news of that uh, happening or whatever or about to happen, I actually just thought, okay, well, like what were shows I saw there? And like almost every show I ever went to there was memorable in some weird way. And it was always very good. Yeah. And it wasn't, you know, it's not a bad venue by any means. It was never my favorite venue. But for whatever reason, shows I saw there always, you know, went off in a really good way for whatever reason. So, well, the venue uh, where, yeah, for like, me it has a special. Oh, sorry. Go, I was going to say it's the venue oh. where, where, you know, John from the OCs <laughs> cracked yeah. Dan. Uh, it's also the venue where Jay uh Riotard yeah. punched out that kid on stage. Yeah, uh, I was at that show. Fantastic. Yeah, it's a venue we I we you know I got to play there a couple months ago, one of my favorite shows I've ever gotten to play in Toronto. Um <laughs> Yes, and now I feel really bad because I was I wanted to go to that and I wasn't able to, but I should have made a greater effort. And had I known it might be the last time I could ever see a punk show there, let alone you guys play there, I would have like, you know, really made a point to go. So that's the that's the kind of things that bum me out now. But you had but, played uh, it, right? Like Urban Blade had played that? No? You guys have played that. I don't think I ever played it in any – I have to – I don't think I did. I don't think I ever played it. Um, I'm quite positive I never have. I'm, I'm glad I got to play it because that's the thing is, you yeah. know, like there's – you know, and not to rub it. Now, now I'm rubbing salt in a wound. By, by no, no, no. That's play. fine. But I mean like it, it's, it's, it's funny because there's venues that I didn't get the chance to do that at and now I regret it. You know, I never got to play. I was like tons of venues. I never got to play Sheebie-Jeebies. I never did either, but I wasn't in bands when that venue existed. Um, but yeah, I—I I was. For, we were both fortunate collectively to have played a lot of places that oh, I yeah. think are special yeah. and will go down as special. So for me, Silver Dollar, in my mind, although I know obviously in recent years, not dead yet, is is put the festival there. Um, stuff like that. But when sort of at the height of when I was playing in bands or, or let's say Urban Blight specifically, um, for whatever reason, the kind of like punk hardcore shows weren't really popping off there. So that's why I didn't play there for whatever weird reason. Um, but yeah, I always saw cool shows there. I'm almost happier that I like, it would have been cool to play, but I'm happier that I just saw cool stuff there. I'm not really so worried about having played it. Well, I guess you're just not as insecure as I am, Chris. No, I don't think you're I need insecure. To fill those I, think, holes. I need to fill them. <laughs> I don't think you are. Like I, th- I, <laughs> I think that's amusing that you're saying that, but I no, really don't. I think when yeah. you're, and not to say that bands I've been in haven't been quote unquote real bands, but I think when you're like a real unit of a musical entity, which you are a part of, meaning fucked up is, and and frankly, almost virtually anything that Jonah has ever been involved with, of course, but. Um, you know, I, including, I you know, the, maybe not the earliest period, but I would know, but I would like say the, the ethos of this show is that any band is a real band. Like there's no difference yes. between like the most established band. Like, you know, right here in your notes, I'm looking, you have Led Zeppelin sucks written yes, down. That I, is, which I, 
I know we will we will get to that. This, but that's yeah. arguably like the the <laughs> probably the the biggest rock band in the history of rock music. And yes, the fact that we're talking about them and dismissing them at the same time yeah. that we're bringing up some seven inch that was pressed in a quantity of maybe five hundred copies. <laughs> Yeah, talking about that like it's like the greatest gift yep. that's ever been given to humanity. Um, yes, you know. So don't. I, I mean, just like not to cut you off, but don't sell what you did short. You were in real bands. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. That's not what I'm not even in trying really to be self-deprecating here. I just mean like uh, for me when I see bands at venues like that, I always think of these bands in sort of a different way than bands I've played in. Yeah, and that might be self-deprecating. But when I think there's like a real sonic entity to what's happening, which I think Fucked Up has, um, that's what I mean. Like when I think of like bands I love that I want to see in different environments because I like the bands so much, that's what I mean. And like the bands I've played in like kind of existed in the best – like in the – you know, Silver Dollar would have not have been the bread and butter for bands I've played in. Not to – you know, no disrespect – to the band or the venue there. I just think it was a different animal personally. Yeah, I, I think like any, uh, well, not that we have to go on anymore about this and silver dollar, but no. yeah. I think any given night, any band can ha- make or be broken by a venue. It, trust True. me, I've played and I, some great venues and sucked. Yeah. I think, um, the more I say that, I think I've refuted my own self too. Cause I saw like in recent years, I've seen some great, like arguably the top tier of what I consider to be the best modern hardcore punk stuff. And it's crushed at that venue. So I'm thinking I'm probably wrong, yeah. but uh, I'm just not bothered for not playing it for whatever silly reason, but I did like it very much. Yeah. It's funny to think that silver dollar, cause like, I don't think of it as a punk hardcore venue, but like if you're been going to shows for the last few years, that's not yeah. dead yet. main home now. Exactly. And I think that's what it is. I think you and I, are of this generational, you know, shift where, for the largely for what was happening there, that that scene wasn't, in my opinion, wasn't really representative of, of what was going on at that venue. Uh, again, not to say that I wasn't going to other things that were happening there, but you know, in the last couple few years, arguably, it's been a lot more. But um, for the sort of the main period that I would have been going to stuff there, it wasn't. Yeah, that's not what I thought of when I when I went to see stuff there mm-hmm. anyway not that this is this is sort of a being very nerdy about it but whatever yeah and it's not even about cool ad it's now just about you yeah true true let's we've we've start steering <laughs> way off <laughs> you, know, uh, you take the point you take the point there I, uh, I did. uh i want to uh i want to um um and uh charles bronson uh he brought up you brought in your notes sick yeah. band Oh. Yeah, I mean, I just like that you talked about them. I like when anyone like kind of talks about the reverence of that group because uh, I think they were and arguably are very important. And I think, uh, you know, even referencing the Spaz talk on the back of the Charles Bronson talk, I think like these are groups now. Again, people, I think Charles Bronson certainly is a group people cite more. Spaz, I think, is specific to certain kinds of whatever genres or groups of people that are only seemingly into one thing. But for me, those were like taste making groups big time in those eras. So yeah, it's, funny like it's Charles Bronson has become that band. Like people talk about Mark McCoy with like the utmost reverence now, which he's always been like, you know, hilarious and stuff. But like, it's almost like he's become what Chris Dodge was at that time. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's well put. Yeah, agreed. 
Like you, like you, everything on Slap Ham was gold. You'd just be like, "Oh, it's fucking on Slap Ham. It's perfect." You know. Like, <laughs> well, you know, you felt that way, certainly, Dave. Yes. Well, anyone that listened to footnotes last week know how I feel about that. <laughs> but I think, uh, but I, I, I think also it's just like, you know, as like, uh, you know, as you say, tastemaker. Like they were like, you know, that was like the tastemakers of that era were, and it was like. And it was so cool. Like they were just so versed in punk and hardcore history and yeah. they, like would be able to like name drop stuff. But it was, they also knew rap music, you know, and like you'd always have yeah. like, you know, Dan from Spaz or, you know, Max or like, you know, graffiti, like they're writing graffiti or they're like tagging or something or like yes. Ebro's rocking a, you know, it seems kind of lame when I say this now, but like rocking a no, tag no. sweater or like shirt at that point in hardcore was like, not something anyone did in especially that part of hardcore totally like you you actually hit the nail on the head like that was something i immediately identified with when you guys were talking about it and i think he more talked about that idea that there was a big separation despite the sort of the rap the popularity of rap rock or however you called it yeah i call it rap rap metal but it's it tends to be awful um but yeah i i those things you've cited i fully agree with in that area of the 90s, uh, mid-90s, whatever, I was very, very into, like, Wu-Tang as well and was into punk and would, like, wear Wu-Tang shirts at punk shows and it definitely did not go over. Yeah. And, you know, it sounds silly to say that now because, again, Wu-Tang's like a very ubiquitous thing that everyone sort of, like, I don't know, just accepts or something. But, like, you know, th- this is at a time when, like, people who didn't didn't know, like, might have even been before the first old dirty bastard record even. I don't even remember. Like just but you know, that's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with like people don't know who that personality is in the zeitgeist yet. Yeah. So it was a weird uh tone thing. And I think though like maybe not so much Charles Bronson, maybe Embro, but uh Spaz certainly um always had nods and stuff like that. So I don't know if that's why I would say they were cool. You know, in the utmost for me, I just think I don't know. There's some of that group to me that's very cool. Well, the last thing is, like, it wasn't a front. You know, like, yeah. Dan is is still involved in Bay Area hip hop stuff, and is still involved in in like you know people that you know that that the art scene there, like you know the street art scene there. You know, yeah, you know, like he's he's still like that guy, and like you know, like and and Chris Dodge is playing an infest, you know, and like it's like. And Max is a professor, you know, or whatever he's doing too. Like, yeah. but they, they all, you know, it wasn't a pose or like characters or weird personalities, like, which a lot of times you saw in, in punk, in, in hardcore at that point when, you know, it would just be like something you put on. But like these guys were actually like, you like actual like obsessives about this stuff. Like they dropped yeah. martial arts movie references and it's because they yep. watched it. Yeah, agreed. And it's it's funny because again, this is something that's so like second nature. Mm-hmm. It sounds silly to be even like talking about it, but it's very true. Mm-hmm. There's actually someone else from your lovely city that deserves a lot of credit for the same thing, which is Grasshopper, who was yeah. one of the early early heads on that stuff. And yeah. uh, and it's sort of a different scene, of course. But like, yeah, I would say yeah, definitely a different scene. But you're right, like kind of the same way to totally. a different e- equally, scene. Yeah, equally is not accepted. I mean, it, yeah. like when you look at that first Grasshopper, it's actually only on CD, sadly, but the uh, whatever the LP is, Terravision. But uh, like on that, he's got like they got reissued on vinyl a couple of years ago, didn't it? I don't think it did. They reissued something. I don't believe it was that. Okay, oh. but um, 
But anyway, there's stuff in the liner notes of that and like the, the aesthetic and stuff like he's got, you know, you see like Nazomatic on the wall. Yeah. And again, that doesn't sound like a big deal now, but that record came out what, like 91 or two or three, I can't remember whatever year, but that was like the very same. contemporary yeah. when that came out. Yeah. And, and, then, uh, like, and he's also anyway. at the same time playing with the Unsane and like, you know, like down with all those people. Yeah, exactly. So that that stuff, it sounds silly now to kind of highlight, but it is very, at least at that time it was, to me, it was a big breath of fresh air to see people kind of doing that. Because I've always oh had God, sort of had a, him on the show. Like, I'm not even thinking about it. We've got to have him on the show. Yeah, for sure, man. Holy God. Yeah, he's an amazing, and support Grasshopper Records. Like, I cannot stress that enough. Like, you yep. support Grasshopper Records, support LPs, LPs, support record stores in general. But you know, <laughs> yeah. speaking of low Toronto, that items, yeah. yes, yeah. But let's like, hop back to the bay here. <laughs> yeah, let's talk back to the bay as we keep bringing it back to ourselves. But like you know, yeah. but point well kind of made with a different scene with Grasshopper yeah. kind of having that same sort of role at helping or trying to at least broaden people's minds. Um, yeah. uh, I guess uh, I, I, I don't. Well, you, your point. Okay. Um, one of the other things I thought was interesting is when he talks about his initial groups and like being a drummer and struggling with like different kinds of like power violence style bands and that, yeah. that like that informs kind of what music he ends up making that's aggressive. But my point here that I wrote down was like failing at grind making art punk, which is I think he actually says that. Yeah. But the idea of like so many groups and what we like here broadly termed punk, a lot of it ends up being you know, a failure of execution, which makes something else that either ends up being equally as good or arguably better. And just the idea of that kind of weirdness of that, that's something that is sort of the accepted norm in punk for the most part. Yeah. I think most music is, is failed, you know? Yeah, you're right. In general, I suppose it could be said. I think just from me, like the DIY aspect of Mm -hmm. punk or like the anyone can do it idea is maybe what I think speaks a little more to why punk does it well or, or more, but yeah. Um, but just that concept, because like, do you find that you've ever had that idea in things you've approached or projects you've been a part of? Well, yeah. Like, I think uh, like, you know, I think part of being in a band is that moment where you realize this band's not going to sound like, like there was a moment where I woke up and I was like, fucked up is not going to sound like poison idea. Like I'm going to have to, <laughs> we're not going to be poison idea. Right. And like, that was like, and it, it was Mike and I both really trying hard to, 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 we were like, that's what we wanted to sound like, you know, and that's what we were trying to be and stuff. And just like, you know, couldn't do it and just became fucked up in the process. But like, I think, you know, like I think every band probably, it's like you try and be your heroes and then you just become something else in the process. And then if you're really good at being your heroes, you just become a cover band. True. I think also, yeah, if you, if you end up being genuine enough with who you are when you play it, then that's what defines a new whatever genre, style, band, or whatever that's important. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just that just that concept that I, I just felt that I identified with that statement. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a really uh, summarized uh, the sort of adolescent punk experience or whatever, early adulthood punk experience uh, profoundly. Yeah, like, I think that's, like, there's that moment where you're like, ah, oh, well, if they're doing it, I can do it, you know, because that's what punk teaches you is that anyone can do it. And yeah. anyone can yeah. do it, but whether yeah. or not everyone should do it becomes... The most frustrating part about punk for me 
is when bands seem so simplistic in their vision and their execution that you like, and that's how, you know, for me, these are like the greatest bands like that you think it's easily apable. And then when you actually try to do it, it just does not work. And so I think like for me with like, I think punk's an easier genre to, to sort of, uh, find examples of this, but for me, that's always the frustrating aspect of just the brilliance of just, you know, sometimes just lightning in a bottle that, for whatever reason, only works for some people to do this thing. So I guess uh, my point next: um, we are, we should, we man, this is a problem when we have the mailbag. We end up like getting yeah. so caught up in the mailbag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go to. Um, uh, man, uh, I guess like I I, I kind of want to get into some of the high-minded, heady conversations towards the end of the okay, interview. sure. Um, because I thought that was great. I think it's also awesome that Orlando and Special Forces makes another appearance on Turned Out of Punk. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna yep. be that's one of our house bands now. Um, <laughs> uh, and I I think uh the idea of reclaiming art. And trying to love, or try not to love, but trying to like stuff that's not good is a fascinating topic, but I don't know necessarily if you and me should talk about it now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, I think that's a long debate because it, there's so many, it's so, so many dimensions as to where you could take it. Um, I know, and it goes back to your Led Zeppelin sucks comment. Well, see, for me, I'm I'm just spe- – you know, obviously there's other elements to consider, but I'm just speaking sonically. Like I, I've said it on this show before. I'm pretty positive. Certainly said it in life at nausea. Like I literally do not like Led Zeppelin to the point where I think they suck for real. There's no pretension in what I'm saying. I'm not trying, even trying to be like hot take guy. I, I just think they suck for real. And people probably think that's insane, but I've never understood it ever. And uh, I still don't. Like there's and, not uh, even yeah. a song where you're like someone puts it on you're like, yeah, it's all right. Well, here's the thing with Led Zeppelin, right? If you take away the guitar and the singing, Led Zeppelin could be listenable for me. But until you have those things – like if you – if it's just bass and drums, I can listen to them all day, the whole – probably the whole catalog. But like, no, I'm not I'm not having that group at all. Wow. Like, you know, I don't know, it's – the easiest thing to pick on obviously is uh, the slow dance song with that – or the hell like uh, Stairway to Heaven. Yeah. You know, that song is awful, awful to a point of inexcusable. Like, I, anyway, I'm getting I think, yeah, I think that song is pretty sick. It's got some I moments. I don't like the, I I don't like the part where it breaks into the boogie. It's um, awful. But I did love that part when I was a kid. Yeah. Uh, and like, I can listen to like tones for 30 minutes straight or something. I know. You that listen to some weird ass like, music too. I do. But I mean, like, that's the point is like. Yeah. I can listen I listen to unbearable like absurd things and I accept that but just like that song feels yeah. like 18 hours long to me and I just there's no way um but yeah they're just a group I get that they influenced everybody I get that it's you know everybody's cup of tea but me apparently uh but yeah <laughs> it just and also, yeah, and also not, bad dudes by not all of them but certainly certain members of that band allegedly according yeah, to Yeah there's there's a lot of them not to good people yeah, there's a lot to dislike about that group, like broadly termed. I mean, like, you know, easily more despicable than the Rolling Stones for for being such like you know lifters, uh, you know, just you know any other thing you want, like being like the worst occult fake people ever. 
you know, anything like Don't that. Don't say that. He's got magic powers. Well, I'm sure he does. I hate his band. You know what the funny thing is? I could probably get along with him fine. Like I've I've heard I've had a friend talk to Robert Plant, and uh, well, Jimmy Page is the one that's the occultist, right? Yeah, well, whatever. I don't care about him. But Plant, like, well, whatever. I don't care about either, any of them. But, um, well, I shouldn't say that. Uh, John Paul Jones is Yeah, fine I was going to say, John Paul Jones is pretty yeah, fine. He's he like, fine by me. Yeah, and he's yeah. down with some pretty cool shit, too. You're right. You are right there. I'm going a little hard right now. But, um, but yeah, Robert, like, I'm sure I could, like, talk to Robert Plant about football, and that would be cool. But his band sucks. I'm sorry. Um Wow. Anyway, that's some hot takes. You you on like a, a tear there, but I was gonna say like <laughs> that's the thing is like you know they're another band that like you know obviously the there are certain ones now that are, are hot button issue ones like bands that is like you know came yeah let, this band kill free, but like it's fucking all of rock history. Yeah, I mean it's it's it. <sighs> It's a difficult subject to tackle because you're dealing I mean nothing is excusable really but you're also dealing with things in eras where you know certain I wouldn't I'm not going to say behavior like like what you're sort of getting at with Led Zeppelin yeah. but like, there, I was there, like I was going to be like that's not excusable I don't think there was no, ever a point where they looked past you know using fishes No exactly a, but but to to expect that like the whatever the the tone of the way the world was in whatever the seventies to what it is now, I mean, it's such a far cry. So, again, that's not an excuse, but it's just you know this is what this is the world that some of this stuff lived in, and perhaps was a symptom of. So who knows? But uh, that's my only advice on that or take. And now we've successfully tiptoed around that one. Let's go to. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you 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 carry you let me carry it on my shoulders, so I'm not gonna touch it. I was carrying it too, buddy. I was over here lifting awkwardly too, so don't worry. <laughs> um, yeah, I think the idea of like making money off art is a fascinating kind of uh, topic to kind of get into. Sure. And the, and the absurdity of the idea of making money off art, um, and also, you know this you know, the idea of what it is to sell out and, you know, because I was thinking about today, like when was, have I ever felt like a sellout? Like, have I ever felt like in, in music that I've, I've, I've sold out and I, I there are two moments that hit me. <laughs> you actually have them. Okay. Yeah. One time I was playing on stage beside a giant inflatable deodorant, uh, <laughs> and stick. Okay. You know? And I was like, well, this sucked. And I'm like, yep. And then there was another time when I was at the Junos, and I was like, "Well, this thing sucks," and I've sold out <laughs> to being at this bullshit. And those See, were... I've never, I've never been fortunate enough to be to have that feeling playing in a group, but um, uh, or I've been fortunate to not have that, depending how you look at it. But um, I yeah, also I that know. deodorant thing wasn't like for people who are like, uh, "Yeah, fucked up, jump the shark." That was like really early on, <laughs> too, yeah. where we got offered this gig. Uh, and all of a sudden, I'm like, we're playing beside a fucking giant inflatable deodorant stick. <laughs> I think that the selling out debate, again, is multidimensional. I think for me, it only really takes on anything that like hits close to home, if ever. When you're actually dealing with the idea of like – like the idea of like commerce and music, I don't even like – that. that's such a passive – it's such an irrelevant argument to me in, in this contemporary age, which you kind of get at in the interview. 
the idea of like it kind of being unavoidable to be touching the corporate entity at all times, mm-hmm. including what we're doing right now, frankly. Uh, yeah, well, so, yeah, like, you know, you, no one's hearing this, you know, unless they're wiretapping this conversation. But even then, yeah, yeah. you know, it's us having it over like I'm paying a totally. giant corporation for this Internet service, which yeah. is and spotty it, at best sometimes. <laughs> so for me, it's just it's it's like. It, of course, it's a relevant thing to talk about, you know, in the broad sense. But for me, it's like it's such an insurmountable war, if you will, that it's and it's so ubiquitous that I just don't I don't find relevance in that anymore. And, and I haven't for a good while in, in, in terms of what like punk purists feel about selling out. I know that might anger some people. I don't really care, frankly. But um, but so I don't really have that. I, that doesn't weigh on me ever. Um but uh, I do think you guys brought up a lot of great points about the idea of of it being the infrastructure as to why perhaps um, things can't be the Fugazi model, if it, if you will, the the sort of the your your newest theory, um, which I'm in, which I am in um, cahoots with uh, as a cynic, at least. Well, here's a cynical take on it too. Is it is it worse to ask your fans to sacrifice money to hear your art, right? So the only way they can hear it is by giving you money. So you can give them a physical product that then they <laughs> take and listen to, right? Or yeah. to team up with like some, you know, let's say be, you know, hopefully benevolent corporation. And they're just giving that music away to fans. And then you can choose whether or not you want to support that corporation after the fact. But you've gotten that music for free and you've gotten that art yeah. for free. Like what is like yeah. – what is worse to, you know, people to be in servitude? And I'm I'm saying this rhetorically because I expect you to be both. Um, <laughs> but but well, I, I think like what is worse? Well, here's here's the way I view things like this in, in modern – in the modern age of what the internet is or whatever. All This whole like largely uh, schemed marketing uh, – machine which is what it all is um again because of its ubiquitous do i feel it's more nefarious to just use the old model of we do this it's special therefore give us your money is that inherently evil or wrong no to me not at all i don't have a problem with making money so i have no problem with that and i have as you know i know many career musicians too or people in the arts let's say um, who make a good living off art and do they deserve to make more than like, you know, the regular working person? Uh, not necessarily, but I'm fine with it being what it is. They're talented. That's fine by me. I, I um, it, I'm, I'm, and I'm not even talking about like, you know, like, which is obviously a whole other concept, like, you know, are musicians paid and artists paid too much in certain cases? Like, yeah, I think definitely. But I think it, I'm, I'm talking about just like the idea of like, there's an environmental cost to produce a piece of vinyl and yep. a, and a CD, you know, or any yep. piece of physical media. And then you're asking yep. people, you're like saying, you know, all of it's a hustle. Like you're just trying to get people's money. Right. So I'm trying to yes. take all the money when I'm selling you a CD, you know, when I'm, when I'm just giving you my music for free online, I'm, tr- I'm just getting paid by this other company and I'm just providing you this music. Like, yeah. Well, the, sorry, go on. I, I don't know. I'm just trying to like, I, I just, I'm wondering what is ultimately 
you know, and also once again rhetorically, because I do both, and I expect people to do both. You're, you're what you're doing is though you're challenging the traditional model of of music and commerce, right? In, in that, so again, I, I don't. The, yeah, traditional commerce might be more fucked up. You know, like no, like I, the idea yeah, of like, like what we expect people to like. You know, people have gotten rich off punk. You know, really rich off punk. You know, oh, and that's yeah. because there's been generations of punk people that have just been paying in. Yeah, because you 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 have to pay in to know these records to be part of the club to be cool. Yes, and and like you know when when you know people decry what's happening now and being like we should go back to the old ways. It's like well the the old ways was almost like we were like in fiefdoms. Now we're in like a you know this weird. It's no, it's fucked up now. Don't get me wrong, it's still fucked up. But like <laughs> we're no longer in these fiefdoms. We're now kind of like a little more free. I I I see what you're getting at. Uh I think the notion of 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 freedom in the sense of what you're discussing is a debatable one because it's it's um it's strategized. So it feels free. I don't know if ultimately it is the freedom that we ultimately need or want, but that's a whole other debate. Oh yeah, uh, that's a whole other debate. Like whether or not we're we're like placating <laughs> ourselves to death. And, yeah. uh, you know, like, oh, no, that, that is also, you know, I'm, I'm just here to talk about <laughs> punk, Chris. No, no, for sure. <laughs> like, I, as far as punk, as far as punk and commerce and challenging traditional models, what do I think is more nefarious? Because I'm a purist and I like tactile things, I don't see an inherent evil with the old system. However, uh, you know, and for me, just like the idea of advertising always just kind of like feels a little dirty. At the same time, I, you know, I admittedly like brand name commercial items, which I willingly talk about, which is almost worse. Not even almost. It's definitely worse. Mm -hmm. So um, the idea that anyone is transcendent of this, you know, system in any regard, be a mus musician or consumer in general or whatever, to me is just naive. So uh, but what what model is worse? Uh, for me, it's still worse. Like the the, the non traditional model is still worse in a in a weird way because I don't think the evils of that have been fleshed out yet. Meaning that it's not just commerce; it's it's uh, dictating habits. It's it's like uh, it's sourcing something more to kind of hook everybody down the line. And I think that's what people sort of have the issue with is that it seems like it's like a real a scam in a way. Like there, someone's using you as a a, a marketing oh. tool to just get the get the newest craze of how to you know hook the next generation or whatever that seems more nefarious. But yeah, you're right. Like if but it's technically that's like yeah, like you only have a certain window of relevance, right? As a musician, no, and like and like it's going to happen no matter what. Yeah. So you you like would you? Is it better that you just, you know, find a way to survive and give your music out for free or, you know, trying to amass? I don't know. I just I'm, – I'm, I'm thinking about this stuff, Chris. But you're making some great points, buddy. It's a it's – it's it's, I'm sure this well, will be a debate that comes up all the time. We've both thought about it at length and we both actually in, in the last month have actually – ever since our visit to the to the mecca that is the Discord house – I think it's it's kind of weighed on us this idea like this for me it's just like the real tangible thing of like oh this is where it is like this mm -hmm. isn't a fictional thing mm -hmm. like I understand conceptually in my brain like oh yes this place exists but to go to it and see it you know you're like oh you know this is it in reality 
and it, mm-hmm. and it delivering that, you know, it assigns a, a, a greater value to a belief, you know, in, in a certain way, at least did for me. So yes, I've been thinking about things like this more. Having said that, you know, I'm not, I think your, your theory is spot on, but I'm a cynic. So I, I appreciate the people that don't feel the same way as you and I, or whatever, but I just think it's a hard system to get around because even the quote unquote, sorry. No, no, you you know, go on. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, because even the quote unquote, like free utilities we use in which to do this or promote any concert, even if it's one that 10 people are going to show up at, it's all the data swamp that is, you know, social media. And that's all, you know, that's all the, the puppet master stuff you're dealing with. Right. So you're never out of it. You're never out of it unless literally you're sent, you know, I was just going to say you're sending whatever messages like through carrier pigeon or some nonsense. Like that's just not reality. So yeah. I don't know. It's kind of mood. That seems like a little dark way to, <laughs> to end my point there. But anyway, go on. Well, no, I know. I was going to bring up because uh, the reason I was thinking about it is Chance the Rapper. And he brings up Chance the Rapper and Chance the Rapper's approach yeah. to music. And like my initial reaction is, well, that's not DIY because he's taking money from a corporation. But like, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's like he's found a way to give his music to people for free and made himself into a superstar in the process, you know, but it, it, you know, is it like, who am I to, to judge him as being less of a, an icon than someone that sold records and, you know, and I'm not, this isn't just about obviously Ian McKay, you know, cause I think there's like a no, lot no, of, of people course. like, you know, That's you can talk about yeah. fat Mike and you talk about Brett Gerwitz. You can talk about, you know, a lot of people, there's like, uh, what the, I'm sure there's people that made, you know, chunks of change on other labels too that played in Well, cr- anything. You can talk about stuff, stuff like crass, even like, like yeah, yeah. challenging these concepts. Like it's, it's what it is. It's, it's the idealist punk, uh, whatever ethos that, you know, is, is relevant, but it has, you know, it is morphed, you know, there's undoubtedly it is morphed because you cannot get away with what you could in the eighties or even the nineties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, someone like Chance the Rapper, I think those are tricky when you use those examples, like not you, but when people use those examples of saying like, well, you know, it's, it's courageous that he's not like, you don't see his record in record stores for, you know, whatever records cost. Therefore, you know, there's a moral high ground to what he's doing or something. I think like, if anything, and not so much him specifically, but anybody that's kind of using that template, I just think that's the next next strategic move to the infrastructure. I don't think that that's a altruistic thing at all. I think that's really clever people, marketing people, people who are still the you know quote unquote the evils of the music industry that are that are facilitating this. He's just a beneficiary at the moment. You could use someone like Kanye in the same. You know, Kanye's last record doesn't exist in a physical form apart from a bootleg, you know, and that, you know, yet he's a household name. So is that, you know, are you going to, you know, is someone going to try and say that he, you know, he is therefore has higher ground of not releasing some physical prize? Like, no, it's all, it's just, it's just records are a luxury item now, right? Like, and I say this as someone who's surrounded by luxury items, but so totally, I, I don't know. I think, I think it is. Like, I don't think it's necessarily just like part of a marketing strategy. Like, I think Chance the Rapper being a younger person than us, he might not yeah. have had any relationship to record stores in the same way. No, I, I think that's true. I don't even mean from his perspective. Like, when I say altruistic, I just mean the machine surrounding it. Yeah. Like, 
he seems like a nice enough guy. I don't know. I don't know him. I don't know anything. I don't know a great deal about him either. But just the idea behind artists that are doing this now, I just think it'll be more prevalent because it's not realistic to press, you yeah, know, no, anymore. Exactly. At least, you know, whatever. Like, I think like Third Man is is the exception, not the rule. Is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say mm-hmm. here. And so, yeah, I think you're going to see those um, that kind of uh, maneuvering going forward, especially for artists that have a profile like Chance or whomever. Uh, and partially because the, the, the fact of the matter is that it's, it's the, for certain types of artists, the machine functions better when you don't have to have like the brick and mortar style record business on your shoulders. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the way, unfortunately, the way it is in some regards and maybe fortunately in some others. Mm-hmm. Anyway, wow. This is the deepest, uh, music conversation we've ever had on the show i think this this episode got pretty deep mm-hmm. you know with with uh cool yep. you know like we touched on a lot of it, uh heavy topics and so we did uh well i think we can leave it here chris there's a lot of more we can go into there's i'm sure this debate will not stop and uh <laughs> uh there's way more we want to talk about but unfortunately we got consumed by four emails in a mailbag and a bunch of non sequiturs um, I still think we touched on a good amount of what the oh, show was. Oh, I think yeah. like oh. briefly, the only things I want to show if we don't talk about them is like the Death LP, fantastic. Yeah. That yeah. Death 7-inch is fantastic. People don't know what that is. Death Detroit, like they're a Detroit band that was sort of whatever. Found uh, way after the fact is at least the story that is told. Uh, excellent ben, band. Ben Blackwell uh, uh, from Third Man Records former guest yes. on the show played a role in that yes. whole thing too. There's a great documentary yeah. called the band called death. Yes. Which I recommend watching as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Sorry so that, on. you know, that's one of those things I think that he brought up. That's really cool. The pure hell mentioned, obviously very cool. If you want mm-hmm. to talk about like obscure bands and that bad idea cover band sounded amazing, but that's yeah. about the only things that I would have touched on. <laughs> yeah, there's more. Uh, you know, there's obviously you know we could talk about a lot. There's a, it was a great great conversation, and uh, he will be back for more parts, and we will be back for another episode next week where we will be talking about one that you wanted, buddy. That well, I wanted <laughs> to. I'm not like making it be like I didn't want this at all. This is all on yeah. you, Chris. But one that you yeah. and both talked about, both of us wanting. And that yeah. is Wes from Cold Cave and American Nightmare and Some yeah. Girls and uh, what's it? What I'm, I'm blanking on a bunch of Some others. Girls. One uh, other project. Two lead, oh, uh, Exoskeletons. Cold, Cold Cave, Exoskeletons. Uh, we're missing one there, too. Uh, anyway. He brings up a couple me. interesting ones in the episode, too. Uh, cool. Like other bands as well. So it's a, it's a fun conversation mm-hmm. and – you know, once again, someone that gets into some topics that, you know, I didn't, I didn't think we'd get necessarily get into. And it's a, a brief conversation and we're doing it over uh, drinks at a restaurant. So it's, uh, it's like you're sitting there at a bar with us just having a, a, a chat. And cool. So, I'm drinking water though, Chris. Don't worry. I'm still weed edge. <laughs> I'm anticipating it, Dave. <laughs> okay, good. All right, buddy. Well, thank you, everyone. We will see you next week. Uh, go out there and make your own culture because no one's going to do it like you. And uh, we will see you next there, next time, next time.